This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Uh, so just to kind of give a bit of an overview and anyone who's obviously new to the uh, spaces, we always do these um, when there's generally something to kind of talk about. Uh, so firstly, guys, thanks everyone for, for giving up some of your time. Uh, this is going to be very similar to the previous ones we've done. Probably the main difference here is that we're actually going to have some uh, really good kind of speakers coming on. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Aaron, who's from Argyle Life, which is a, a basically Plymouth Argyle podcast. I listened to one of their pods earlier on. There's about four of them uh, that were involved and safe to say that the opinions were quite strong. <laughs> um, hardly surprising. I think it's obviously a very emotional uh, thing for them to deal with, uh, which uh, you can totally understand it. Um, and also you may see a, a name that a lot of you would have seen uh, as well. You've seen uh, HC, as he's kind of known in the chats, but um, Heath uh, is the uh, official name. Uh, Heath, you uh, my co-host uh, for this evening, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. How are you? It's nice to finally be part of the space. I'll see you do a space, which is some good news, really. Yeah, I'm kind of fed up of doing bad news, if, if I'm very honest with you. Um, so, yeah, I, I must admit, it was, it's been really difficult recording the podcast for the last um, kind of couple of weeks, really, because it's just been a bit of a downer, and I was sick and tired of being negative. I mean, the one thing on our on our part of it, me, Dan, and Tom, are, and not generally most of the guests that join, we're, we're quite positive people, but even the most... You know, trying of of fans can't be really over the moon with how things have been going recently. So, yeah, I'm I'm here with a, a new uh, impetus. But you know, Luke, we've got a new man, new era at Stoke yet again. Um, time will will obviously tell as well because obviously the wording that came out of the club was that it was actually down as a head coach. Now, for anyone who remembers um, the interview that we had, I think it was uh, Lucas Yeomans um, at the club interviewed Ricky. Alex and obviously John. And one of the things that they were basically asked was, you know, obviously if Alex leaves, which quite ironically he has, then um, what would be the structure of the club? And the line that they kind of came out with that was basically it was going to be like a director of football type situation. That's kind of what they alluded to without kind of saying it. And naturally, all of us are very skeptical because we've seen how things have been over the recent years, managers having far too much control. And as it seems, it looks like, you know, again, you know, Stephen Schumacher is going to come in here 
and he's actually going to have that type of a thing. You know, a manager is someone who manages things top to bottom. Thank Tony Pulis. Um, and, you know, a head coach is someone who lets the recruitment team do what they need. He'll tell them what he wants. It's their job to go and get them. And, of course, then we'll uh, we'll crack on uh, letting him do, do the actual management side. So, um, yeah, a hell of a loss uh, to kind of digest. I've got a number of questions for you, Heath, uh, just to run through because you, you did some really good analysis um, as well. But before we get into all uh, the ins and outs of it, Tom, uh, you've joined us uh, as well, mate. It's very much uh, Mr. Graphics. So what was your first thought? I know you've been absolutely dying for this to happen all day long, constantly messaging, is it done? Is it done? Um I was told it was going to be done, and then it was like, okay, why, why is it taking so long? Uh, and then we got the thumbs up uh, a few hours ago just to say it was done. Just a few things going through. So, Tom, are you a happy boy? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, to be honest, I expected when we were going to do one of these, it was going to be useless in all honesty, um, which I kind, of, I kind of came around to the idea of it, but there's still that part of me that just thought, it's just going to be the same story over and over again. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm glad to see we've gone down this route. Um, I've been shouting that we should go with the head coach rather than a manager, and you know, that's why Ricky and Jared have come in at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, I'm very happy. Yeah, I think that's what's, what was quite interesting, and I think they made it very clear, and it wasn't an accident, is that this was obviously um, Ricky's basically decision. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't just his decision, but clearly John's gone. Ricky, this is your call. Like, I think trying to very much say as clearly as they can that John maybe is now taking that step back and letting Ricky and co run with it. Um, I think that was as clear as day for me, the, the statement without kind of coming out and saying it again. Um, Elliot, I'll let you in in two seconds, uh, actually, as well, because I know uh, you like to have a, have a few words. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, that that was telling. Uh, again, we you never really know what you can believe until it actually happens, uh, and time will tell whether this again is the right decision. But for now, let's not worry about that. Let's try and enjoy it for what it is. Um, we've got a manager, Elliot. What's your thoughts on uh, the whole situation? How it's developed over the last nine days, I suppose. Uh, well, I've read the appointment, but I'm trying like not to get too overexcited because we're Stoke, and like good <laughs> things shouldn't happen to us. So. Um... I'm trying to sort of stay like level headed, but on paper, you read everything young coach, head coach, which is very different to the manager role. I think we can sort of see that Stoke are going into the 21st century now after so long where we should have been, we should have been there when we probably first came into the championship. Seems to be a different thing with, I came on this um, when, when Alex Neil got sat and said, we need to sort of have a different model and a different way of doing things in terms of having a, a head coach and having a well director of football, technical director with Ricky with uh, Ricky Martin. So we seem to be doing that, which is a positive for me, and it shows that we're going in the right direction. And if you keep doing what doing what you do, you keep getting what we get. So yeah, it's a change, and it's hopefully it's going to be a good change. So is your gut kind of saying this is the right decision? Then I take it would you have preferred Schumacher over you know a John Eustace that, that obviously Tom mentioned earlier yeah definitely I think it's just about getting the right manager that's going to suit the players we have and I think from what you know HC and who's in who's the co-host has been talking about um, he does seem to do that so you know playing attacking football we've brought all these attacking players but I think Alex Neil restricts them a little bit so but then 
LR fans were buzzing to say, oh, Nuno, but I think that would have been the wrong appointment because I think Nuno's a bit too defensive and likes to set his teams up in a more defensive way. So, yeah, I think we've definitely got the right manager. And I think looking at how well Ipswich are doing and sort of being where they were, I think the only difference really between Plymouth and Ipswich was Ipswich's budget just outweighed them and our budget outweighs Plymouth. So if we've got the right people coming in from that regard, then putting a budget onto that, hopefully we can then compete with, I'm not saying we are going to this season, but hopefully we can compete with, you know, the Ipswiches, the Leicesters and the Leeds and that stuff. So, yeah, I'm excited about it, but equally I'm a Stoke fan. So, you know, good things shouldn't happen to us. Yeah, we we know how this can go. Um, I, I guess I'll ask you then uh, before kind of kind of jumping in with with Heath um, and feel free, mate. Today as a speaker, you know, we'll speak to you again in a bit. But uh, what do you actually think success is going to look like to to Schumacher? And we need to find a nickname, by the way. I'm sick of saying Schumacher; it's too long. Uh, but uh, we, what's success going to be? I, I think probably worth splitting that down into this season, what would success would be? Um, it might simply be just to stay up. Uh, and then what do you kind of envisage for the next you know, season or two, as long as he stays with us, obviously? I think the best thing we can hope for is that we have a little playoff chase towards the end of the season. And I think that I'd, I'd take that personally. But I think his main focus has to be just finishing in the top half. We've not done it since we've been down. If he sets a marker down and goes, we've finished in the top half now, that's one massive hurdle that we should have done before that's been done. We can then look forward to going into the next stage. So I think that's probably going to be his target, to be honest. But if he, he could be a manager like Unai Emery has been at Aston Villa, where they had such a good squad, but Gerard just wasn't the right coach tactically to take them forward. Hopefully, with him, he's the right coach tactically to coach these group of players that Alex Neal wasn't. So, yeah, I think success this season would honestly be finishing the top half, I would take. The best thing we can hope for is a little playoff chase. And depending on how it does go, if maybe it's not his squad, then the best, then it's like staying up. So I think we've got to see how these games play out. And we've, having, we've got a lot of games coming up, obviously, Christmas period. So it wouldn't surprise me if he like tinkers with the team a little bit just to see what everyone's like. Yeah, and I think it's not jumping to conclusions straight off the bat as well, because nothing he's going to have done in the last, well, what will end up, we'll get to Saturday, he's probably going to have, what, three days with the, with the players? There's absolutely nothing he's going to be able to do in three days that's going to make too much of a difference for this weekend. I think he'll be relying on, on Galley quite a lot. Um, he'll get some points across, maybe just say, Luke, show me what you can do. Mm. You, you know, Express yourselves this weekend. I don't see any more impact than that for, for Millwall. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be really interesting to see what, mm. what comes of it. Um, you know what I actually want, of all things with Schumacher, I don't want any, I don't want this guy coming out and saying, this is what I want to do in 12 months. Or, you know, don't commit to anything. Just turn around and go, I want us to make it hard to, you know, hard to play at the stadium for once because let's be honest, no team's really feared coming here for a long time. Yeah, of course. Um, I want to do that. And I just want to see, look, I, I'm going to get him fighting. I'm going to get him try and play in the right way and we'll see where it goes. Don't come out saying I want us to be promotion next year or promotion the year after. Just let's take it bit by bit because having these lofty ambitions or where you want to look at them in a year's or two years' time is, is quite irrelevant. They need to do the here and now right first. Yeah, for sure. And I think if you look at kind of, I know I've got a sort, I know someone who used to work uh, in the coaching staff at Stoke and I think he said the problem was that the players at Stoke have been playing with shackles on because there's not really been that 
head coach there, figure there. So I think if he got someone who's just focusing more on the football side, that's just perfect for what we need. And I won't, obviously I won't say who it is, but yeah, I think that's why you've seen players go off and do so well at like Delap at Hull, for instance. I went to watch him against QPR, looked a complete different footballer in terms of body language. Surridge when he left, you know, and I feel like we've always had good players, but they've never been able to have that freedom they've been playing with those shackles on so hopefully I mean I think what about Morgan Whitaker when he was at Plymouth and went it was so good at Plymouth in that league one season and then went back to Swansea and just didn't show anything of it then went back to Plymouth again under him and now he was he's playing without those shackles on so hope hopefully you can see that in the Stoke team where they're finally showing that freedom to play and that freedom to express themselves like and you, that's so exciting for the attack, particularly for the, the likes of the Bajan Hoes, the the Vidigals, the Ryan Mize, the those tricky flair players. So yeah, I mean it's exciting, but like like I keep saying, I'm a Stoke fan, and this has happened before, so I try not to get too excited. But on paper, it's a great appointment. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Well, yeah, no, looks like, thanks for getting involved. You're welcome to stay as a speaker, mate. Shut yourself on mute for us. Um, but uh, yeah, I just want to bring in obviously Heath and thank you to uh, Aaron who's now joined us from the Plymouth Argyle uh, side of things as well. Appreciate it. Uh, again, Aaron, we'll come to you shortly, mate. But uh, I guess just to start with you, Heath. I mean, you like I said, you did some really, really good analysis. You did there's a really good thread. I what looked at every single post. Um, before we kind of hear from the Plymouth side of things, what can you just give us a bit of an overview? So the, the analysis that you you did and the I think you got the Y Scout access and stuff like that. Can you just give us a, a general bit of analysis of what you took from it, and then we'll absolutely hear from Aaron and see whether he agrees uh, with uh, with your analysis. Yeah. So basically, what I did was I looked at last season, which were very successful for him in League One, but what some teams have problems then doing once they get promoted is adapting, and some managers stay stubborn. Like for example, Vincent Company at Burnley, who's gone up to Premier League now. He's not really tweaked much and they're suffering from that. But Ipswich have tweaked, they've accepted they're not going to have that much possession as they did last season. So they've settled for less, but they've been more direct in their approach. They'll create the same amount of chances. It's still very sustainable. And it's the same with Plymouth. Um, there's been games where they've dominated the ball in the most recent one against Rotherham. I think they had 75% almost. And I think the two defenders had 100 passes each between them. So it's still... The principles are still there for them to play when they can, but it's very much of a case of don't overplay in the wrong areas. I was going to say, so we're talking ball playing centre backs and defenders that is going to be key to to the base of his structure. Is that kind of what we're getting at? Yeah, and from what I've seen last season, I think he did go more of a three at the back, uh, the three centre backs, and there was all from the stats I've seen, there was all fairly comfortable on the ball. He had over eighty percent accuracy throughout the season. Um, and it would key how they play. They'd play, they'd have the two wide centre-backs wide and they'd have the centre-mid dropping into the sixth position to pick up the ball. Um, and I am a big fan of his build-up. There's quite a lot of managers that can have a lot of the ball but don't really do much with it. And I think that's, uh, with the Plymouth squad, yeah, I think he utilised it really well. Um Aaron, I'll bring you into it, mate. So, again, thanks for sparing some time. I did listen to your podcast earlier on, by the way. Uh, we'll get into some of the comments soon. But uh, from what he's just said there, is that a fair kind of very brief assessment? But is that a fair assessment of, of what you've been doing? Yeah, I suppose so. I think um, 
as you, as you connected me to the space, I sort of lost connection a little bit. Um, but I think um, if I've if I've heard you properly there, um, the only thing I would disagree with is that we have changed this season. Um, we switched to a back four. We don't play with a three at the back as, um, as 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 the fans would like, really, especially away from home. Um, yeah, I mean, our style has changed somewhat from last season. I think he is. Um, he is adaptable. He's adaptable to opponents as well. Um, you know, we, he's, he's he's famous for uh, we we termed it the Shuey Roulette, and uh, and I'd like to think that that name would continue. Um, I, I don't know if there are any stats on how many uh, changes are made game by game, but uh, I can assure you that that we would be top if there is su- such an EFL stat. I mean. Um, and I think a lot of um, a lot of Schumacher's um, tactical um, nous, should we say, actually comes in game rather than from the start. He doesn't. Um, I don't want to say he always. He doesn't always, but he doesn't. If he tends to get it wrong to start with, he is very very good at in game changes. I think last season I can't uh, can't remember the stat off the top of my head, but it was something like twenty seven points we won from losing positions. So um, very, he, he's a lot. Uh, more flexible than than it's been given credit for. I think if you look at um, Kieran McKenna, he's he's able to to put out a a stronger squad, uh, you know, a stronger team with, with stronger ideas and philosophy from the start. Whereas if you're going purely in game changes, then then Schumacher trumps um, McKenna. You see, now that's quite interesting because the one thing that I think most Stoke fans would hit Alex Neil over the head with was the fact that he didn't have a plan B. <laughs> And yeah. it's like whatever didn't work at the beginning, um, he's stuffed because his his substitutions would either be, in the fans' opinions, wrong, or you know his starting lineup would be ridiculous, and he'd be almost not willing to change anything. Or the substitutions oh, come still- on the fifth minute. Is that is he is he more inclined to make substitutions earlier if he sees it's going wrong? He's not just going to hold on, which it feels like at times with Alex. Yeah, yeah, he's been known. He's been known for a, a few uh, first half changes. I mean, most of those come in like you know when when we've we've gone down to ten or whatever that, that which is understandable, right? But like, um, always the, the subs don't always. Um, maybe this is uh, me projecting on the fan base, but um, his changes sometimes don't always get the seal of the approval until they like pop up with a ninety seventh minute winner or whatever, and you're like, oh yeah, genius, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Um, so, yeah, he's very, very good at managing a squad. Um, he seems to keep everybody happy, um, you know, apart from like a couple on the fringes that are, let's be honest, most probably League Two standard anyway. Um, he's very good at, at keeping everyone in the mix. Like I said, he, he's, he mixes things up. Shui Roulette um, will mean that you'll see, you, that you'll get used to like six, seven, eight changes a game, basically, is what is what, what I'm getting at. But And also, I don't think there is necessarily a plan b i just think he he drills the the same yeah i mean i don't really know it's not not necessarily plan b but it's just that everybody knows how to work plan a that when they're switched out and switched back in again um they know their jobs and they know their roles and and obviously we we built a squad in which um no two player is the same um and obviously i appreciate that a lot of squads will have that um, but he was very good at putting um, the right people in in the right um, places to to get the best out of the the squad as a whole, rather than individuals. And if I remember rightly, um, I, again, Heath, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. 
on your analysis, I think you said they do. They typically have been playing like four two three one a lot as well. I mean, is that is that right, Aaron? Is that is that kind of his go to formation if you're talking about uh, a back four? Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard because it's like, our, sorry. our um our wingers or oh, if you call them wingers aren't really wingers. They're not really tens and they're not really inside forwards and I'm absolutely baffled um, trying to get it to work off football manager and I can't quite do it so uh, I don't actually know um, what they are I mean Morgan Whitaker's a special talent in, in his own right I think um, taking like the reins off him and just letting him sort of um, float about on that right hand side sometimes he'll be um, popping up and getting chalk on his boots and the other time he'll be uh, latching on the end of something in the six yard box so um it's quite fluid as well. Obviously, a four-two-three-one as well implies that there's two um, out-and-out midfielders that will yeah, you know, sit. Not, yeah. and, but that's not that's not quite right in the fact that um, Jordan Houghton almost drops into a back three, even though we play a back four. So uh, Houghton's a lot deeper than the other two midfielders, which is uh, this season been Luke Cundell and Finazaz, who have been again let off the leash a bit. So actually, like bodies in the midfield and in the middle of the park aren't actually like they're not actually there um it's is something that i can't uh really explain because i've never really seen it before it's it's just um if he can get it to to tick with with your squad then he is um he's found something new and in, innovative that um that works really well but um i think as well going on to i don't want to preempt any questions you've got coming up but I think if you look at um, like the squad that he's built and him and Lowe over their years um, with us, it's been very much built around them and their style and their philosophy and getting in players that suit them. So um, I don't really want to urge you, but, but <laughs> I would, I would, I would suggest to give him some time. Um, he, yeah. I, I've, li- I've listened to his video in which he says he doesn't always get it right. And he, and he holds his hands up. Not, uh, don't, don't, agree with that completely he doesn't always hold his hands up um but he, he is young and he is learning so you sort of have to give him some leeway but I mean we were very accommodating on, on that side of things and if um you know I don't I don't want to talk like I don't know Stoke and I don't know your fan base and we haven't played you for so long so well obviously apart from the other day that 96 minute winner um but like I don't want to tie your fan base with anything I don't want to speak ill of you lot but if if you know, I know in the past that that you can turn on managers. So I think the only thing I would say is just um, give him time. As much as that hurts me to say right now, you're not. You know what though? Th- this fan base they w- they will give a manager time. Like it, we, yes, we've made a few changes in recent years, but we've made changes because they simply have not been anywhere near good enough. And you know, we've. I think we had, what, two managers in the space of, what, 15 years or something stupid, I think it was, prior to these changes. So I definitely think, because Stoke fans' expectations right now are probably as low as they've been for a long, long time. I yeah. think because we've had, what, five or six, 16th kind of, you know, do you, places. Do you, see, do you see this season as a complete write-off then? Like, whatever happens, happens yeah. as long as you don't go down? 
No, I, I don't think so. I, I, well, I think obviously, firstly, yes, we want to stay up. Uh, I, I would hope that there's three worse teams than us. To be honest, I think is I think we've got enough quality in the team to get us out of this mess. Uh, I think we just need someone who's actually a bit of a decent tactician and can actually put them into a proper structure. But I personally think that Luke, if he comes in here and he gets us finishing above 14th, any Stoke fan right now, I think within reason would probably take that. Um, next season, I still think he's going to get plenty of time. Uh, he's going to need his own players. He's going to get his own players. Players. Um, but also, hopefully, you know, the, as long the as they don't come from us, I hope. Um, well, this is what I was, I was going to ask you about this, but since we're on that topic, it wouldn't surprise me, and I've heard of it being done before, and you may be aware of this more than me, that contractually, I think in the past, it has been the case that they've put in there that you can't take um, yeah. certain players or coaches uh, away in that first season. Now, yeah. I, I, that's what I'd heard and I thought that was right so what I'm thinking is I know he hasn't taken like your head of data or anything like that I, I get he hasn't done that I would not be surprised however to see him take them next season or take one next season if Argyle will let them go at all in the first place because you know he can't come in and change five six seven coaches in one go it's just totally unrealistic especially at this point of the season um, but I just want to kind of backtrack a little bit if you don't mind so um again i guess how has this gone down in plymouth now as i said i listened to your podcast earlier on i'll be honest with you it was quite scathing at times and i don't blame you it's an emotional thing but uh, from what i can gather i think it's you kind of thought that probably not the right time of the season to go um and also a couple of comments from a couple of other individuals was a bigger team than Stoke is where we should be going. So not to put you on the spot, but um, it, do, do you feel like he's kind of let you down a little bit and he shouldn't have really jumped ship just yet? Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head when you said the word emotional. I think, um, look, tw- look, 24 hours ago, we didn't, or maybe 48 hours ago, we were seeing a tweet about tracking helicopters and, and you know, we'd... Uh, I spoke to uh, Dan, who's, who's speaking on this pod as well, Um over on WhatsApp, and we were, you know, he seemed to think um, that, like, started questioning whether whether it could be a possibility, and, and like, we sort sort of like laughed it off. Like, he's come out before and said um, that he wasn't tempted by Swansea, he wasn't tempted by Sunderland. He's come out and like refuted the the claims to West Brom. He, uh, when we were down in League One, he said he wasn't going to go to Huddersfield, and and, and I don't think that's. Um, for me, I you know, obviously I can't speak for the whole fan base, but I think um, we sort of envisaged him going to a club that had a bit more of a plan, and that's not... You might get that now, right? That might... This this is your plan, I suppose, right? And the fact that he's going to come in, like you said, a bit more of a tactical brain and, and you get um, more of his people around him, right? If, if that's the plan, that's the plan. But I just think... And I don't really want to... Um, you know, say say things I regret because, like I said, it's just it's just emotional. And like forty eight hours ago, or not in going back a little bit further, what was it? Ten, I want to say like ten, twelve days ago, he said something along the lines of, "I'm not looking for a move. I'm very happy here. I'm in a phenomenal place." Or, or something along those lines. Don't don't quote. But like, it, it had the shade of um, when when we had Holloway and the fact that he was saying about cutting him open and he bleeds green blood and and painting Smeaton's Tower green and white and stuff. And then like he's off in the next breath. And I think it's um, it's it's that um, lack of loyalty. Really, yeah, really. but like I, I mean, I, I suppose I thought I wasn't stupid enough to fall for it again. But like, 
Um, it's more that like he says the right things, he did the right things, and um, and when he was linked to the Sunderland job and we, we were playing Leicester, I, I said to their local radio that you can't, you just can't quantify or like put into words how much that means. So like we're on the arse end of nowhere, like um, we are united, we are one, um, you know, like it's us against the world sort of thing. And like when, when they come in and say these things, you like and and with with Low, we sort of expected it, right? Like. I think everybody expected the first opportunity he got, he'd be off. And, uh, and you know, Shuey had been linked to, you know, and I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to disto. I know you've played in Europe, and you, and you, you know, it was only was it five years ago you were in the Prem, so like, you, you know, and you've got fucking billions of pounds, like, and I'm sure you can, you, you could with the right appointment push, um, back for those those Premier League places again. But like, um, when when he's coming out and um, saying that he doesn't want to go to like West Brom and Sunderland, who are uh, in a in a better position to be in the Premier League sooner than what you or we are. Let's be honest. Um, like you, you just don't expect it to be Stoke, and you don't expect it to be like forty eight hours from like the first rumor, and you don't expect it to be at the busiest time of the year, like ahead of a, a January transfer window, uh, leaving a club that he's basically shaped in his like vision for the last um, the last two years as manager, but even like two years two and a half, three years before that as well. It sort of just doesn't, I suppose, like I said, emotional. It just doesn't sit right on me. I'm going through all the phases at the moment of being like, <laughs> being very gutted, like uh, close to tears to being like, oh, well, fuck him anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, still, I think, still I processing think it. Yeah, no, honestly, I, I, I do understand. Um, and I mean, I've got a million and one different questions to ask you. So if anyone's got any questions, by the way, for, for either, you know, Heath or, of course, Aaron, uh, feel free to leave them in the comments. Dan's going to be reading through some of the questions. Um, and just just so you know, guys, uh, Elon decided to cut us off around the half an hour mark last time. So if that does happen, we will rejoin again straight away. Um, so just keep yes. an eye out. Hopefully we won't get kicked this time. Uh, <laughs> Elon does not like Stoke City, just so you know. Um, you're not the only one, uh, Aaron. <laughs> Good. Um, well, I'll come back to you in two seconds, but I've got a look there. I've got a load of questions. Um, I mean, again, we've had a couple of people join us. So, uh, Dan, I suppose to kick off with you, mate, I know you're on your travels. Um, what's your first reaction to this in brief? Uh, yeah, I'm very impressed. Uh, I think, yeah, it, it's a manager who yeah, I thought we sort of you know, talked about at the beginning as doing someone, you know, when we were looking for managers, somebody who's done a good job uh, at Plymouth. Uh, the more I sort of read into it, the more I sort of um, sort of read Heath's thread on it, on it all, and I was really sort of you know excited to see what he's going to bring to this to the club now. Um, I said, didn't I? I said the, the main thing we need is a manager or a head coach, which is also different, um, who who is sort of suited to the squad that we've do, that we've brought in and then we've sort of acquired over the last sort of six to twelve months. And it sounds to me like he is. It sounds to me like he's he's somebody who his strengths and how he likes to play and how um, the, the football and the style that he will go with will suit our better players. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's, for me, I, I, I cannot fault it, really. I know people will be... People got swept away with um, the Nuno talk, didn't they? But, you know, all I'll say with that is there was a lot of reports and that but the reports from the people closest to the club, the people who would know, their reports were that it was never a thing. It was never a thing. It was just something that happened on social media and then the media and the actual, 
think the actual you know the, the, the chances of him coming in was never existent. Um, so people need to forget that, and people need to forget the Potter talk because again, as we've been saying for weeks, it was never a no starter. The guys come through the door. I am well chuffed that he's here, and I think anyone who maybe isn't that well chuffed needs to just back him and give him a chance and opportunity because I think in time, given the given the opportunity and given the backing, he will do well. He, he could do great things for the club. And let me just ask, I mean, this is a question for, for anyone who's speaking, right? So why has he chosen Stoke City? What's been the, the thing that's made it? Now, let's all be very obvious, right? He's probably double or triple his wages. That's absolutely going to help, as it were for any of us. And you had that discussion as well, Aaron, on the, on the pod. But, but let's forget money, right? So in my opinion, and I don't know if any, you all may disagree with this, right? But I think from a... From a facilities perspective, there's not many clubs in the in the championship that are better. Um, if I'm honest, we've got obviously very very much Cate, uh youth level. We've got an incredible training ground. The stadium, uh, people hot pipe up that stadium. It's not the best. It's not the worst by a long way, but it's certainly nothing special in my opinion. So I think yeah, we've got an okay stadium. We've got owners that, as we all know, are multi billionaires. And if FFP was the thing, we would have been out of this league a long time ago because they would have spent the way out of it. But what, I guess, I've come to you first since you're off mute, I guess, Aaron. Why do you think he's chosen Stoke? Is it a project? Is it money? Is it a bit of everything, maybe? I think as well, I don't think you can, um, as I mentioned earlier, that that we are in the arse and the nowhere. And I, I, I do appreciate that he's got a young family and, and what have you. And, 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 and although he moved them down here, I mean, you are only what... Um, my British geography is not great. What you're only like an hour away from Liverpool. Um, you're a lot closer than we are, anyway. Um, and and while, like I said, while he moved his family down here, like he does have extended friends and family and stuff. And uh, I I do appreciate that. Like um, to be away from them is you know it's it's not easy. But like um, it's more that the fact that he like made a big deal of moving everyone down here and the fact that he like felt a part of our community and felt like um he like really wanted to be here it's it's more that that hurts to be honest um and, you know i think i can see both sides of the argument i know there's going to be Argyle fans that are out there that are absolutely gutted to the point where they are like why stoke um and i appreciate that you do have uh brilliant facilities and and he might make um, the Bet365 a fortress uh, like he has with Home Park. Uh, maybe don't expect too many wins on the w- away from home, but um, you know, I, I can, I can, I can sort of see that the appeal. I think I'm not as, um, like I said, blindsided by most Argyle fans. I think it's just the way in which um, you know, if you if you put these if you put these moves on the paper before the season had started. You could understand it, but now it's like you know we're above you in the league. I think all of that sort of stuff beating you recently. Um, I think those sort of things fuel the argument more than they should. Yeah, it's one of them. It's only three points in it, I suppose. And uh, yeah, we've yeah. got a very good knack of appointing managers who recently beat us, by the way. So yeah. uh, you're, you're unfortunate you play at the wrong time, um, Elliot. I suppose I'll open that question out uh, to you, mate. And anything else you want to add? But uh, why do you think he's chosen Stoke over staying at Plymouth? I think he's chosen Stoke mainly because I think I mean I don't want to disrespect Plymouth obviously but I think maybe he's thought 
you hit a ceiling with them and you can probably do much better with us in terms of because if you look at maybe I saw a picture today that said look at their training ground compared to our training ground we've got about like 10 pitches nearly all good quality and they've got like something down at the back of the of the ground and I think you if you look at us we're, we've got a much bigger budget facilities I mean we've probably got a bigger ground and I think we are a big I think we are a bigger club and I don't think I think even they would probably say that as well we've played in we played in Europe 10 years ago we were a Premier League regular for 10 years up until six years ago um, you know got a good history behind us as well a good fan good core fan base so I think there's definitely sort of something there that you can then build upon I think be able to look at the budget side of it and I think well, from what I've seen, this is just from what I've seen on Plymouth fans on Twitter that maybe there's not as much budget to go with. Whereas at Stoke, there's a big budget there that he can use, and it's adding on to a squad that is already a very good squad. And I think for where that squad should be, it should not be 20th in the league. And it's that saying of they've just not been played in the right way. So maybe he's looked to the squad and go, I could do something with that squad, add something on top of it. And then you're talking probably getting into those. Premier League places with the backing of, like I said, proper training ground, you know, proper budgets, um, you know, everything else that goes with it. So I think that's why I think it's just, it is that next step. Even though the league table probably doesn't say it's the next step, I feel like everything else outside of that it is the next step forward. I, I don't know what the Plymouth yeah. fans would agree with that, but it's just my opinion looking at it from the Stoke point of view. No, no, fair enough. Like I say, everyone's entitled to an opinion. I guess, um, Heath, I'll come back to you, mate, because you've not had a, a chat in a while. Um, what, what, do, what do you make, of, actually, of, of what's been said first? Is there any extra comments you want to make off the back of what the guys have said or anything that you found out? Um, as a neutral, really, I can, like, obviously I can sympathise with Plymouth. I've said um, on my thread, the first thing I said was, like, I don't take no thrill in doing this. But I can completely understand from about five different reasons why he's took the job. And the first one, obviously, being the money. Like, let's be honest, uh, football fans do have short memories. All it takes is for him to go, what, a 10-game bad run and the fans turn on him and he's missed out on a life-changing money sum. Um, So I think you've got the money, you've got the location, you've got the facilities, you've got the team to work with, and you've got uh, um, Jared Dumpling, who's... Sure, how good he is with recruitment, but unfortunately, we recruited somebody who didn't really play them plays to the strengths. Uh, I think now you'll see that you'll see the best of Bergman, why I like him so much. And you probably see the best of quite a few players. Like in the friend I did mention, I do think there'll be need to be a few more signings. Um, I think he'll go for a centre forward and who probably does press more and make more runs. Um, I think there's a lot of recruitment to be done to get stuck to where they need to be. But I think that'll be provided with, like, I imagine that's happened in the talks and he's been told this isn't the final team you're working with and stuff. You'll have the freedom to sign players and I'm sure Dublin will sign players that are fit for the style. Yeah, I think so. There's still plenty of money that we actually haven't spent. And obviously, as we know from an FFP perspective, whichever contract we give, it's obviously spread out across that, that contract. So I think we've definitely got money we, we can spend. And sorry, Tom, I think you you want to say something, mate. Well, I was just going to add, um, I know it's easy to look at the league and look at the previous seasons and say nothing's changed, but we are we have got a project that's already started. Um, overhaul the players in the summer, I think the squad is a lot better than what it has been. 
Um, they just haven't been utilised properly, in my opinion, which is why Neil's eventually been shown the door. Um, yeah. I think, you know, we signed players to become an attacking side and we look more defensive than what we did last season. He was just so, so focused on trying to stop the other team from scoring that we never created anything ourselves. But I think if he does come in and he does, as he said in the video, focuses on having that freedom, you know, being brave and going, going for the game, essentially. Um, one, that'll get the fans on side, because that's all we want. If we lose and we've gone for it, that's fine. If we lose when we've tried to see how to draw the home, that's not on. And I think that's when they all went wrong. Um, we well, just... the, best, the best thing that he could do, Tom, the first signing he could make, which would instantly improve us overnight, get fans on side, and also make, make us more solid across the whole team, and that's bringing Travis back. He can only play for Stoke and Bournemouth. If, if he does that, um, honestly, I think the whole dynamic changes. The defence will trust him. They don't have to worry about protecting, you know, Buddy Jelly Arms, uh, Jack Bonham, who I wouldn't trust to, you know, to pat me back at the shopping. Like I, I gen- genuinely wouldn't. Uh, like it's, I think that's one of the first things that he's, he's got to sort out. Uh, I think it'd be an easy decision. Uh, well, not necessarily him actually sorting out. I guess just giving the final tick because you can get, guarantee that you know Jared and you know Ricky. They will want him back in January. They tried to sign him. They did sign him. They got him through the door and he was taken away from them. So if that deal can be done and Bournemouth don't try and rip us off to get him back, I think he'll be probably the first name to the door. Yeah, I think I think the other positive thing as well, these players have shown us what they can do. I mean, beginning of the season, I mean, we scored 10 passes. I, I know there's a lot of them, no disrespect to them. Uh, but you don't score 10 past the team in two games. You're from the same division if you've ever got a tackling threat. Um, and it started well, but everything just kind of went off a cliff after that decent run we had. Um, and then obviously some of the stories have come out since. And I think he just lost the dressing room, in all honesty. Um, yeah. I think he was worried about his job. So he started trying to defend the games rather than going for it and risking losing his job, <clears throat> which has eventually yeah. lost him his job, ironically. Um, but the team have shown us what they're capable of. Um, so we've got a manager who's going to create a good a good and positive dressing room and give them the freedom and tell them to go out and, you know, go for the win. doesn't matter who we're playing. Um, I think, I think, yeah, we'll be absolutely fine and you'll get the fans inside as well. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. And I've got, I've got so many questions. Oh my god, I'll try not keep it too long, Karen, uh, and obviously Heath as well. But honestly, there's we've had so many different ones, and I've made a, made a collection of them during the day. So let's try and get through these as, as quick as possible. Um, so. So basically, so one of the questions is, when we think about management style, how would you describe it as it's reported is is meant to be very nice person, almost too nice for his own good? Um, is is that is that a reflection? Because I tie that in with the same question as well for yourself, Aaron, is we've got, if we have a difficult player, has he got a strong enough personality to actually stand his ground and, well, stand his ground for a start, actually? I mean, I, I can't. Uh, speak for inside the dressing room, but it it, it does feel like he's kept um, everyone, even those on the fringes, um, happy. But I don't know if that's obviously you know when you're on course to win the league one title. I suppose everybody is happy, right? Um, it's when when it's going uh, badly, which which arguably in his tenure it hasn't at Argyle. I mean, we missed out on the playoffs on the final day um, back in what was that twenty one twenty two season. So it's apart from that, it's always only ever gone well I mean um, 
sorry to bring up the home and away form again. I mean, he's only lost seven games at home in the league uh, in two years as Argyle manager, or over two years as Argyle manager. So, um, you know, when when it's going well, it's sort of easy to keep a squad happy, isn't it? As for him as a bloke, I mean, I only met him a couple of times, and he's, a, he's an absolutely love, lovely, fantastic bloke. Like, uh, can't speak highly enough of him as a person. But I mean, uh, you know, as as a, as in terms of being like standing up to those. Uh, figures like you said in in the changing room I'm, I'm not too sure I mean and also going back to the point where um, I said earlier that this this squad has been built in his and before that Lowe's um, image I mean we've we've famously got a a no dickheads policy at, at Argyle so you know that I mean that helps if everybody's um you know singing from the same hymn sheet but um but basically, to answer your question, if it, if it, can he stand up when it's when it's um, not going well? I mean, there, there's been times where we have questioned some of his decisions, i.e., away at Bristol City, which is arguably our derby this season, and the fact that it's our closest game. I mean, it's still miles away, and we put out a side that we wouldn't have even uh, that we would have used in the Papa John's Trophy sort of thing, and we we got battered that night. Um, and you know him saying that he he'll always hold his hands up. I'm not sure he did that night. He sort of uh, shifted the blame on the the two senior players that he brought into the squad, yeah. um, and and told some of the younger lads to sort of up their game. But um, but in terms of controlling that dressing room, like I said, I can't really comment on that because it's only been going well for us. So he doesn't seem the sort of bloke to scream and shout and um, kick a boot at anyone. Put it that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll, uh, Dave and Beck, I will come to you soon. So there's, there's so much I'm trying to get in. I will definitely come back to you, I promise. Um, I guess in the same breath then, is he someone who can manage foreign players? And the reason I mentioned obviously we've got a very big kind of foreign contingent, uh, you know, Portuguese and, you know, obviously Korean, but we've got a number of different areas. So some of the comments that I saw, and the reason I'm asking this, this is what this one's for me more than anything, a lot of people saying that he's you know, got a very kind of strong British contingent is one of the comments I saw. Um, is he, in your opinion, has, has he got experience of actually managing foreign, play, foreign players? Obviously, at the same time, you know, international players as well. There might not be massive international players, but is, is that something he's going to do? Or do you think he's more of a, he trusts British, he'll go British as soon as he gets a chance to replace them? Yeah, I mean, if you count, if you count Scottish and Irish as... Um... As uh, international, and he's quite good at that. I mean, no, we don't. I mean, we've only got. <laughs> I mean, off the top of my head, what we've we got, we've got Mustafa Bundu, who's a um, Sierra Leone uh, international, um, who was only brought in in the the final the final day of the transfer window, and we have Julio Pleguazelo, who is a Spanish um, centre back. Who else have we got? Oh, we've got Brendan Galloway, who's you know technically Zimbabwean. So our squad is predominantly British. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I can't really... I mean, sometimes you struggle to understand Scousers as it is, never mind, like, in a foreign accent, I can imagine. Um, <laughs> I would love to see him try and speak Korean. That'd be brilliant. But, yeah, I mean, I can't really comment on that, to be honest. I mean, I think they're the only... Uh, oh, and we've got a lad from New Zealand as well. Um, so, yeah, can't really comment on international standing. No, but... Um, okay. but, but one one thing he will do, I feel, is 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 he will unite the the dressing room. However, that happens, um, I can I can see that that being a big. I mean, a big reason why Morgan Whitaker and Bally Mumba came back from their uh, championship clubs to 
to join us is is the 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 atmosphere around the club and the dressing room and the their them saying about you know it being good for their their mental health and feeling like they belonged at Argyle. So he, he must have instilled some of that at least. Great. Okay. Well, the fun is the thing. As long as he can do that, then he'll be fine because uh, we can't really afford to go and replace another fifteen players. I think we, well, well, we can't, can't afford it. it yeah. but we, That's the problem. Yeah, but yeah, loads we, of money. We, we don't. We don't want to do that. Um, I mean, Dan, I'm going to come to you in a minute, mate, because I've seen there's nineteen comments, so I'm going to let you get through them and pick some out that we can maybe ask um, either Heath or, or obviously Aaron. But uh, I guess before we do that, just one, one final thing for the time being: what is it like from a, a media side of things? So Alex Neil came across for a lot of people, mate. It's quite dry, um, quite reserved. He didn't give anything away in terms of you know players being injured or you know you really didn't know what was going on one week to the next. I mean, obviously we've seen his video that come out tonight. It looks quite approachable, personal, but let's be honest, every manager says the same thing whenever they yeah. go to a new club. Um, what, what's it like from a media perspective? Are we are we likely to see any in, in terms of you know, injury, up, and even basic stuff, light injury updates? Like, how is he going to conduct himself on that side? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I mean, to be fair, he's normally been pretty open and honest. I mean, um, I can't think of any time in which he's he's not come out and said... Um, what he thinks and feels. I mean, the the, the presser against Rotherham, the team, the team we've just beaten on, on Saturday, was very weird because uh, Rotherham absolutely crunched um, two of our players, put them in hospital, and all he could say was, oh, respect to Rotherham, They're, you know, their game plan, they played really well, They're, they'll be absolutely gutted tonight, um, which didn't sit too well with some of us and had um, the biggest conspiracy theorist on our pod uh, worried that he was off, which happens to be uh, the case. Um, so he can, I think he can sugarcoat things sometimes. Like we have been on the end of some horrific, horrific refereeing this this season, and I'm sure you're well aware of that. I'm sure you've had your own. Um, yeah, exactly. But he just he won't. Like I mean, I think I think he's got a yellow before, but I mean, like he doesn't seem to like want to criticise people that are in the wrong he doesn't want to He want, I think he wants to be seen as a nice bloke and he is a nice bloke I'm not going to take anything away from him but there is a time where you just want a bit of edge and you want a bite and you want new managers to tell like somebody to um, F off and like what you know get a bit feisty on the touchline and, and look like he cares and, and he's never really looked overly flustered he's looked quite emotional like at the end of games and he's comes over to do this this weird like half semi fist bump I don't think he wants to do the whole thing because that was Ryan Lowe's thing I think he wanted to do his own so he now does this like weird sideways one look forward to that um but <laughs> when you just want him to give it some welly like it's it's um 
it's sorry, sort of... our fans will be out of the stadium by the time he's doing that, mate. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's almost like it's it's almost like he wants to come across as reserved and polite and kind, and which I'm sure he is. But like. Um, sometimes you just want your manager to like just say it how it is, and you want him to take the FA fine for 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 telling referees like how it is and how they're terrible. But um, I might be misremembering there. He might have actually done that once or twice, but um, yeah, I don't, I can't off the top of my head remember when he has. He just just. Um, and like you said about the, the press conference tonight, I've, I have watched the snippet that's been put out on on Twitter just then when I was on on mute. Um, you know. He says, you know, the first thing you can expect from me is commitment. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, you just said that you're in no rush to go anywhere and you've gone somewhere. Okay, so, you know, and maybe that's, again, sour grapes. I don't I don't want it to come across as that. But um, And then he says about him, him owning his mistakes and he doesn't always do that. But um, in terms of, like, the press, I, I feel like you will warm to him. I mean, we had, uh, as, I've, as I've mentioned, I don't want to go over it again, but we are on the in the arse and nowhere we are out on a limb and um you know it's easy to create sort of a siege mentality here whereas yourselves where you're you know not a million miles away from anywhere you um you know your players will go to different places and and live in different places and you know socialize with different groups and stuff whereas down here they had to they have to be a team and they have to socialize with each other and they have to do things together so um because there is nowhere else to go I think that's one of the main things he's got to do is is get the fans united, uh, finally, after all these years. Um, but, yeah, I'll come back to you in, in a minute, mate. Uh, Dan, yeah. uh, sorry, thank you. But, yeah, we've we've had about 20 questions come in. Uh, Dan, I'll hand over to you. If so. I don't know if there's any just general comments or any questions in particular to, to Aaron. But... Yeah, I mean, before we um, before we get into the comments, it's, it's interesting you said that about uh, the players all sort of living in the same area and sort of on top of one another there. It's, that's very similar to the kind of um, thing that Terry Pulis did when he was here, wasn't it? Which would yeah, no, another um, another manager that you you took from us, right? Well, yeah. it's a bit a bit different. I'll let you off that one. Um, but it was like uh, obviously Witchwood Park, which is sort of you know like um, what, about twenty minutes away, twenty five minutes away from Stoke. Uh, that housed about three quarters of the squad and Pulis at one point. <laughs> it was like that, that sort of estate there. Um, so it can be done around here. Um, and obviously, yeah, so it's, it's just, just interesting that, that I just, just that pops into my head straight away. It was like uh, the same kind of thing as, as Tony had done um, back in the last time we were trying to get out of this division. <laughs> mm. Um Comments wise, so uh, Kieran Downs ninety six says the attacking players like Vidigal and others are going to thrive under Schumacher. Just need to improve on the defence. Uh, it'll be better when Wilmot comes back because we miss him at the back. Um, definitely, he's. I think um, absence makes the heart grow fonder with Ben Wilmot. And it's some people were sort of criticising yeah. him and, and um, you know questioning his, his involvement. And I think. Yeah, you know, if you put him in that back line now, it improves tenfold, doesn't it? Easily, easily, mate. Yeah, he's, he's good thing as well. He's actually good at, good at his feet. Yeah, he isn't just to get it in lump it type of type of player. He can play good long balls. Uh, he was good at that. Um, but you're right. The amount of abuse he got was oh great. He's you know he's not good enough anyway, and he's just proven that the likes of you know Rose um, is certainly not good enough. Kieran Clark certainly doesn't look good enough. He's very much past it. McNally has not been too bad, but you can't just have one centre back um, who who can perform. So yeah, the sooner he's back, the better for me. 
Yeah, Rose is the one tasked with passing it out the back, isn't he, with Wilmot gone. So, um, yeah, Wilmot in for Rose is a definite upgrade in my eyes. Um, Kieran also says that I like the different approach Stoke has done in terms of getting a young head coach in instead of a dinosaur manager. Uh, Schumacher at the wheel, go on Stoke. Yeah, um, again, that's uh, just touched on there, didn't we? Head coach, very interesting how he's been titled that. And uh, it seems, seems that we've... Um, like I say, the, the words that were spoken after the summer window about, see, the building blocks have been put in place and there's been a change of direction and a hierarchy weren't just words, it seems. seems there was you know, some substance to it, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Chris, uh, underscore Treble uh, 71, says, I'm fairly sure Travers can move somewhere else other than Stoke, given he never made an actual appearance for Bournemouth. And there's been a few messages after I've just been reading through. Um, because he never actually set foot on the pitch of Bournemouth, he was only an unused sub, he doesn't count as he's played for Bournemouth. So even though he's in the matchday squad, he never actually got on the pitch, so he could go elsewhere as well. I thought like the Sentinel and stuff reported it that he'd been registered for two clubs in the same season as opposed to a claim. Maybe there's a bit of um, uncertainty there then, and maybe... Well, that could be something. Maybe, maybe we'll have to uh, drop Peter Smith a message and... Got yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll drop a message after this. Yeah. We'll bring you that on Friday's pod. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Martin Eagle says teams like Stoke inverted commas change the record. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know, Martin. I think sometimes we may just have to understand where we're actually at now in the grand scheme of this division. We've we've been in this fourteen to sixteen bracket for far too long to be thought of as anything else but lower mid table, haven't we? Yeah, exactly that, mate. I think it's it's easy to forget, unfortunately, where where we are. You know, we we've got we've got to earn the right to be deemed one of the the bit you know the the ball. I don't, I don't like to use the word bigger because it's too open to interpretation. But we are we are exactly what we are, and that is a mid to lower table club right now. And until we prove otherwise, it, it's what we are. As horrible as it sounds to say, that's what we are. Um, so yeah. <laughs> at Stokian32 says no dickheads rule well we'll be having another complete squad overall <laughs> <laughs> um, Jordan Jones think we'll go for any Plymouth players um, I've been what's it again uh, Aaron I'm sorry if I butcher these names but I have not looked this up um, is it Mumber and Whitaker the two main ones that have been mentioned yeah to be fair mate, I can't I can't speak properly anyway trying to pronounce some names that we're linked to and stuff um yeah i i don't see um mumba being a threat to be honest he's he's um he's, he's a lovely lad he's a good player don't get me wrong but he's not quite taking the step up to the championship as well as morgan whitaker has who is absolutely flying um if you if you want whitaker i can imagine there's a roughly 10 million pound price tag on his on his head because uh, survival in the championship is is more important to us than than profit right now, um, and also the only other one I could really see is is Finisaz, but um, who is on loan from Villa. But um, yeah, I don't know how that works. I, I know that we more than likely put in some sort of agreement like we did with Low, in which you can't poach players that are on our uh, current payroll and, and aren't part of our you know, future plans in terms of uh, uh, targets, but I can imagine our targets will be slightly different to yours anyway. So the only the only player I can genuinely see you um, snatching is 
Um, Morgan, uh, sorry, Finazaz, uh, because he's not our player technically, um, he is out of contract in uh, the summer. So obviously, if you if you went to Villa and put in a massive bid, I'm sure, but I, I don't know if that would break any sort of contractual. Um, uh, stipulation that we would have put in um, and then the only other one is obviously you're talking about a keeper uh, Mark Cooper's return to injury he has, he's not uh, 100% and up and running yet um, and obviously back out injured again but um, he is somebody long term that I see going to a much higher level or not a much higher level but a, a bigger club pushing for the Premier League much sooner than we will be so um, he's the only other re- real target if, I, if I'm being brutally honest Okay. Okay. No, appreciate it, mate. Thank you, um, Dan. Just also, sorry. Also, on that, it's very rare that you see a man a manager actually raid their former club. Like okay. they just don't tend to do it. Really, I, I don't know why, but it just doesn't. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head where they've come in and um, like raided that club like straight away. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, like you say, it changes the whole target list. Changes. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, he might see all of a sudden he can go and spend a million or, or two million quid on a player, uh, whereas he probably couldn't do it before. So, yeah, yeah. different dynamics. Um, I'll come back to you in two seconds. I mean, Beck, you've been waiting on for ages. So, firstly, I'm really sorry for, for game time. As you'd imagine, it's been a hell of a lot to talk about, mate. But uh, what, do, what do you think to everything? Uh, it's okay. Um, what I was going to say has pretty much been discussed, to be honest. Okay, well, no worries. You, you can feel free to put yourself on mute anyway. If you've got anything, you can just jump in. I don't mind. Um, Dave, I'll bring you in as well. Again, similar thing. It might have already been discussed, um, in fairness. But, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for holding on, mate. <laughs> uh, evening. How you doing, buddy? Are you all right? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to say, um, firstly, to especially towards you know Aaron and the rest of the Argyle lads, um, I think I think the difference between the appointment of of Schumacher compared to you know Rowett, Nathan Jones, and and Alex Neal, a lot of the clubs, well the clubs that we we got those managers from when it was announced that they were joining, um, there was more anger towards Stoke than anything, um, and with this one it feels quite different. You know I think Schumacher. He holds a, a place in Plymouth fans' hearts that a lot of the managers that we've stolen haven't haven't really had, um, and it's got to be something that we've got to look at and we've got to work towards. You know, it, it's very rare that a club and a manager have such a unique kind of bond like Schumacher and Plymouth did. Um, and I, 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 I commented to one of uh, the the Plymouth fans. Um, earlier before it was officially announced. And I said, you know, the way that the club was run and they allowed him as a young manager to sort of make mistakes and to... that They accommodated that and, you know, he was open and honest about it. It's it's something that we've got to do as well. I think we're not going to achieve the playoffs this season unless, you know, some sort of miracle happens. But we do have to sort of maintain what, what Plymouth did with him and we have to give him that chance to grow because he's a different type of manager to what we've had before. And like Aaron said, he's got sort of a unique ability to be able to 
dynamically adjust the squad in game if the way that he's set up isn't right. Um, we if we don't accommodate that and we don't allow him to do what he did at Plymouth, he could be in big trouble for us because we've been relatively patient with managers, but we've not sort of given them the time that they feel like they deserve, and we have we have to give him that. Yeah, I agree. That there's there's no point trying to judge him on this season, and, and arguably he's going to have a lot of leeway next. Um, so, yeah, no, again, good comments as, as, as always. Um, any, I mean, Dan, I'll bring you back in, mate. I mean, I've seen there's been more questions pop up and more comments. Um, any other bits you want to highlight from, from any of those? I'm conscious we've been on for over an hour now, so don't want to keep having too much longer. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting as well. We've got three comments here. Ryan says, I hope John Coates is stepping back. Um, Jordan says, I could be so wrong, he might be the guy for the job, but for some reason I have no trust in Ricky Martin. Not sure why. Um, Paul says, an unproven manager at this level, we're gambling again, we can't afford to get it wrong. So it's like three different people, and it sort of sums up where we are as a fan base and a club at the minute. It's like, we're doing crap. We've been doing crap for a long time. I don't know who to blame. It's somebody's fault, but we're not quite sure who. <laughs> it's like, is the chairman? Is the director of football? Is the manager? It's like, who? Where, where's, where's the uh, where's the blame lie? That's how I think it just sort of sums us up, doesn't it? Like I say, as a fan base. Um, you know what, what, <clears throat> what um, I would say about that, um, if this does work, and this is Ricky Martin's first appointment, we know exactly who's making the wrong, who's been making the wrong decisions. Quite possibly, <laughs> yeah. It's a fair comment, uh, Dave. You wanted to come back on that. I've, I've just seen Elliot and Dave taking their cells off mute almost instantly. I think. So. <laughs> um, go on, boys. Either of you take the lead. I don't mind. I, I just wanted to. I just wanted to say really quickly. It was. A, it was a question that was raised probably about half an hour ago now, um, in regards to to what the the reason for for managers coming to Stoke is. And I, th- I think, especially in terms of in terms of Alex Neal, I think he saw Stoke as one of these big projects, and it was sort of a mountain to climb story. And with with Schumacher, obviously, what he did with Plymouth getting them back into the Championship was a, a massive achievement. I'm, I'm, my biggest concern for him is if he has seen this as an opportunity to sort of, you know, really push himself forward, take a big club that are are struggling and try and get them promoted or try and get them into the playoffs at least, I'm hoping that it doesn't go wrong because it's another up-and-coming manager, similar to, to Jones, that's come to a big club that was struggling and they've not managed to do it and it's sort of tarnished their reputation going forward and especially in the case of Schumacher I really don't want to see that happen to him and I know it's not young and up and coming but I think Alex Neal's going to have a job trying to find a new one anytime soon uh, I think he's done himself no favours in terms of reputation I don't know I think, I think at this point we might be one step down from Watford when people go for a job and look at the CV and they see Stoke and they go oh you failed at Stoke don't worry, everybody does that. Just <laughs> 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 that. Yeah, yeah, fair point. 
can um, I do, can I just say something on that though? I, I think yeah. I think us going down the head coach route now is a good thing. You know, we're we're kind of catching up with the times as I've I've seen you know on comments, but I think a lot of the managers, especially say the last four, have basically been wiping John Coates's arse as well as as having to to focus on the football side. Whereas I hope this time they can just let Schumacher just deal with the footballing side instead of all the issues that, that have been going on off field as well. Mm, agreed. Yeah, I think that's really important. We we need to get get with the times, quite frankly. I think John's been look, John's a great guy. He's a really nice guy. He's got the best interest of the club at heart. But I think he surely I think he'd admit himself that maybe he's He's not a footballing expert in terms of you know how to to run a modern day football club. For me, I think that's why he need, he's hopefully that's why he's installed the people at the club that he has done. So I totally agree with you, Beck. I think he this is his chance now to leave it to the people as he as he made the right decision and bringing Ricky Martin to the club and you know with Simon King and people like that off the pitch. Again, time will tell. Um, yeah. But I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And just just to touch on what Dave said as well, you know, I think. We are a pretty, you know, understanding fan base. All right, it's, it's been a bit toxic this season, but that's been six consecutive years of utter shit, basically. So I think Alex Neal just bared the brunt of that and the football wasn't great under him. He was pretty pig-headed. Substitutions weren't great and things like that and at the wrong times. Um, but I think, you know... I don't think our expectations right now will be that high. I think staying up is the ultimate goal, obviously. But finishing, I'd, I'd be happy to finish around mid-table this season. Maybe, you know, the bottom section of, of the top half, maybe. But next season, I, I wouldn't even be that disappointed if we finish just outside the playoffs. As long as we're seeing progress and not just finishing in the bottom half, I'll be all right with that and then build on that with him and and have the longer-term plan that Alex Neal was hoping for under an up-and-coming, hungry young manager. I think think the first thing, Beck, was we we want a season that doesn't finish in February, don't we? Yeah, definitely. Every year, the last three months, it was a bit like, oh, preparing for next year. And then this just recycles the same thing again and again. Well, this, this is my concern, sorry, as well, because obviously we're, we're back on this at the start of this cycle again now. Schumacher's going to want his own players. All right, don't get me wrong. There is talent in this squad, but he's going to want to make additions. We just brought 18 players in. We, if... You know, some faces don't fit for what he, the way he wants to play, and things like that. We're going to have to get them out, just like we've had to get all the others out that have been brought in. And then we, you know, it's. I just, I want to stop this merry-go-round and just get a bit of stability. Well, you can guarantee that obviously when he's walked in the building, there's going to be people as he's giving that speech to those to those players on the training ground. There's going to be people in their own heads going, "This ain't for me. I want to go." Speak to my agent tonight. Yeah. It's going to happen. There's absolutely no way is every single player in there going to go, yeah, this is the place for me. Some of them with big egos will be thinking, and all just you know, due respect to you know him, Schumacher, who are you? 
some of them will do that. Like you know, again, it, it, it hopefully it can go in there and stab his authority, and, you know, and, and get a good reputation. But um, it's the one thing he, he hasn't. He's got to prove to the players. I think you know, get him on mm. side, put him, put their arm around them, speak to every single one of them individually, sell the dream to them. And if they don't want to be here, then fine, get lost. Like we, we only want players who want to play for Stoke. I think every club's the same. But there's a hundred percent players going home tonight. I've already had chats with their man at their their agents tonight and said, January, I want to go. You can guarantee it's happened. Yeah, and, and the thing is as well, I think, you know, a lot of games this season, a lot of them players in that squad have proved that they just haven't got it in them. Uh, you know, the, the some of them are bottlers, to be honest with you, and I, I just don't think that they've got that fight in them, whether that's, because of how the fans have reacted at games or on social media or whatever. I don't know what it is, but we, we haven't got many. There's not many leaders in that dressing room. There's just, yeah. I, I don't see much communication in games. Like the defense is just atrocious. They, they don't, they don't communicate with each other at all. And, and that's a concern for me, but you know, that could also be that it's just not been managed right. And, he could turn that round. We've just got to wait and see. We said that back on the pod a few weeks ago that you know when we when we can see the goal, just just go and have a look. Half the time they've all got their heads down, no one's speaking to each other. Yeah. As you said, leaders wise, that just says everything to me. Like you, you'll at least want your captain sometimes to just give him an absolute bollocking. And the fact is, he he doesn't half the time. It, who's even the captain these days? It's Loren one week. It's bloody you know Pearson the next. Uh, Kieran Clark, the next. Like, choose one and stick with it. I don't. I, I also, in the same breath, though, I would probably caveat that with, again, something we mentioned. We need a team. I think you've alluded to that back, but we need a team full of captains. Just because someone's got an armband on their arm doesn't make them a captain. You know, we need leaders. We need to, people who speak and put themselves forward. So I totally agree with that. Pretty much everything you said, but it's um. So on. So, sorry, I just wanted to jump in there. I think. I think one benefit we're going to see from Schumacher is Laurent has had a very, very easy ride in terms of his captaincy since since Baker was sort of ousted from the squad um, the middle of last year. Um, Lewis Baker, when when he was captain and he was he was fit and you could tell that he was a hundred percent fit, he was he was a leader that we hadn't had for a good couple of seasons and Laurent sort of ousting him and keeping him out after he after he got fit was he, he ha, he's had his moments as a captain Laurent but even when he was really struggling with his performances under Alex Neal he was still getting into the side every week and he still had the armband on and he sort of He'd almost got used to to having that responsibility, but even when he wasn't up to the challenge and he wouldn't step up to the plate, he wasn't punished for it. He wasn't dropped. He he was very seldom dropped for it. Um, you know, we Pearson's had his little stints where Pearson's been made captain, and you know, Pearson is a he is a leader, but he's got a very bad tendency to pick up these stupid yellow cards I mean he's, he's had a yellow card every other game this season and unless he can sort that side of his game out which it's sort of ingrained into him now he's 
he's almost like Scott Parker when Scott Parker was playing. You you cannot take the sort of aggression and the those little cynical fouls out of a player. But I mean, Pearson Pearson's one that you could consider a leader. Wilmot when Wilmot's back fit, he he's definitely going to be considered as a leader. But as you say, we we do definitely need to get some get some leadership within the squad, or Schumacher needs to be able to mould find those players that he thinks can do it and mould them into the, the players that we need. See, I think this is a natural effect. I mean, Elliot, I'm going to come to you in a second, mate. Your icon's greyed out on mine, so I'm sorry if you've been waiting to speak for a while. But um, I think that's the effect of probably bringing in some a lot of younger players that they aren't natural leaders yet, um, and I think that's probably the the outcome of some of that. But um, Elliot, very quickly go to you, mate, and then I'll go back to Aaron. I'm conscious we're going to probably start wrapping this up now a little bit. I know there's if anyone's coming late, by the way, the podcast will go out uh, probably tomorrow. Uh, for you to re- listen back to all of this. But, um, Ali, I'll come to you quickly and then we'll go to Aaron. Yeah, I was going to say that thing on the captain's thing, just listening to it. I think the captain's is very, the captain is quite a, I would say, overrated title, if that makes sense. Because really, I think a lot of the captain's job is just collect, like for me really being involved in a football club, just collecting tickets for families and stuff. And that's about it. But, like, if you think about like captains in terms of, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be a leader. I think we've always been shown that the captain has to be because we had Shawcross who was captain for 14 years so all of a sudden that's the standard that everyone's got to hit and not everyone's going to be Ryan Shawcross so you sometimes have like a David Beckham as a captain who wouldn't talk much but just lead by example Steven Gerrard would sort of be a leader and commanding you or or it's just the best player like Messi was captain at Barcelona for instance so I think there are different types of captains you can look to rather than just who's the best leader on the team so I think it could be like a sort of little overrated time. I'm not sure, but that's kind of like, I'm always kind of a little bit sceptical on like the captain because they seem to take the most flat. Like and that's happened with Laurent and happened with Baker last season. But, and also Joe Allen. But also on the head coach versus manager thing, uh, which I was putting my hand up originally, I think what they were talking about with the no dickheads policy, I actually think the manager almost kind of attracts a dickhead because it's like, okay, well, I'm going to have full control over absolutely everything you kind of tell that with like Nathan Jones definitely wanted full control over everything in terms of the way because he always says things like oh yeah but it's me and he always puts it back onto himself as the reason that things have either gone so well and then takes no blame when things go badly so same with Gary Rowett I think I can imagine him being one and also Alex Neal as well so yeah those were the two points I was going to come out with that's fair. You're right with uh, Jones, by the way. He loves to claim uh, Nick Powell when everything was going well, didn't he? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden he forgot all about Nick Powell when he was crap. Um, if there's a no dickhead rule, then Gary Rowett definitely isn't invited. <laughs> um, Aaron, you've been waiting patiently for a while, mate. Thank you, and I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, come back in. Sorry, mate. Yeah, sorry, just to pick up on a few, a few points you guys just made. I think um, the head coach role does suit Schumacher better, but I suppose... That that the head coach role can only go as well as your director of football, right? And, and and you know, from from all accounts, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're not too pleased with him. Is am I? I, I you know, I don't know your internal setup, but is that Ricky Martin? Is that? It, it's Ricky, but I'll be honest with you, mate. It's early days. He's, this is like his first proper 
set of transfer windows realistically. Right. Okay. So I think there's a few people jumping on the bandwagon a little bit with that. But no, I, I think the jury's out, mate. This is the first time he's actually gone to market and probably signed like 18 players and signed a squad. So I think it's just people wanting to point fingers, if I'm honest. I just put it oh, right, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if, if, if Schumacher and, and um, Ricky Martin can, can strike up a good... Um, Relationship, then, then sure. Like, I mean, the head coach role most probably does suit him a bit, a bit better. But like, I just feel like um, at the moment you 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 sort of need somebody to like stamp their mark on it. Like you said, that John Coates might not know the the ins and outs of of running a football club. Um, if I picked up on that right earlier, where it's, it's you know it's just like um, I thought I feel like you need like proper. I don't want to say proper football men because that's not that doesn't always go well. But I mean like just somebody to go in there and stamp their mark on it, and it, it you know that will now come down to half Schumacher, half Ricky. You know, and it's always the it's always the manager that gets the the bullet, not the not the. Um, director of football per se so if if you know if they can work together and but again like it can does a head coach like help target um uh recruitment that they don't normally do they so you know he's gonna have to die on somebody else's sword whereas whilst he was manager at Argyle I'm well aware that he was in the conversations with our director of football about who 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 wants um and head of recruitment on on who we want and who we should target so it's um yeah, it seems a bit of a risk that way more than more than any in, in the fact that he's going to have to take somebody else's decisions and and um, you know work them into his own thinking. Elliot, yeah, I was going to say I think the reason that I think fans are skeptical of Ricky Martin is because him and Alex Neil came as a pair. So I I honestly thought he was going to go out the door and Alex Neil left, but I think that's why people are so skeptical of him because it didn't work for Alex Neil and the fact that they came right. as a pair. I think that's why people are still skeptical of it, him being the right guy, because Alex Neil wasn't the right not right guy. If that makes sense. Yeah. Is yeah. it possible though that Alex Neil was a manager, not a head coach? Yeah, it could it could be the same thing there, but I feel like him him would him and Ricky Martin were pretty tight. So I think they're probably. I mean, the difference is now it's the head coach title, which is the right thing to do. And like I said, like I said before, kind of a manager role instead of a head coach role kind of attracts a dickhead, which is what I've heard Alex Neal is apparently looking at those stories that have come out. So, yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see how it goes, but I think yeah, I mean, that's why people to, aren't trusting him as much. Not to um, come up and, and stick up for Alex Neal, but I, I did work at uh, Norwich City Football Club during his tenure there, and he's, like, he's never done anything wrong to me. He was a lovely bloke. I mean, he was a bit moody after a loss, but he actually seemed like a fairly decent bloke, and most people at the at Norwich will say he's a lovely guy, but maybe it's because it went slightly better there. Maybe maybe that's why. But I'm not going to come on a Stoke pod and stick up for Alex Neal. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you, you might get some more comments. All of a sudden, we've gone from 32 to 132 comments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dan, I'm going to come back to you. Is there any more questions? I, I, I want to wrap this up now. I think we've been on for a long time. So, uh, any other yeah, any other so, so we've got Luke Friend, who is a Plymouth fan, who's left a couple of comments there. To be honest, I think Shuri ran a bit scared at the start of the season. Uh, we got the second most points ever in League One last season, playing five at the back. Real, uh, real, yeah, real flowing football, and over the summer completely changed that. Going to four at the back and lost the midfield spine. 
to carry on the two times we played five at the back this season, we beat Norwich 6-2 and got a great draw away at Hull. In my honest opinion, Argyle would have been 10 points better off playing last season's system. Just something to consider. Um, and then there is a couple of comments which I'll just throw towards Aaron. Um, so I've got Richard Yule says, uh, Aaron's mentioned about the away form not being great compared to home. Was that because it was too defensive a setup, uh, like a different approach when he was away? And also, Voon uh, says, how was Schumacher with developing players at Plymouth? Yeah, um, to take the first point, um, as as I've mentioned maybe too many times, we are miles away from anywhere. So, so Home Park has famously been a, 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 one of those quote unquote tough places to go for for a little while now, and that that includes under Ryan Lowe. So, how much credit um, Schumacher gets for geography, I'm not sure. Um, but you know, it's it's we don't have an airport. You, it's miles away from anywhere. Um, it's a long way to go. All of those things add up. Um, that as well and and uh, you know you could argue it's been a raucous atmosphere at home park recently i mean that would be some argument because it's been good don't get me wrong especially in a league one days but this season's not been not been as loud as we'd hoped the last few games have been good but not again i'm not going <laughs> to go off on the tangent about atmospheres but um but and also that snowballs the fact that like we always believe like the last game obviously we beat you in the 96th minute we've just won our last last game against Rotherham in the 96th minute the amount of games we won last season in the 94th 95th 96th minute um, what's that 4, 5, 6 quite a few I'm not going to go through them but like that, that never say die belief and attitude sort of like um is in that that set of fans and it's in the home crowd and it's like it gets to 90 minutes and we're we're like if we get one chance here we're we're going to put this away and i think that's a collective um feeling uh, how much of the, the i mean as i've already mentioned his in-game changes are brilliant it, 27 points i want to say um from losing position last season so you know give him credit for that but in terms of um uh, Plymouth, uh in terms of home park being uh uh, fortress um, it's not all on him I mean away from home uh, yeah it's been a it's been a long time I mean we've we've been over so the last time we won a Saturday 3 p.m. kickoff away from home was uh, October 2022 so it's been over a year and it's been 14 months since we won a Saturday 3 p.m. away game I mean, there are some caveats in the fact that we won on Good Friday away at Morecambe. We won, we won the league title away at Port Vale on a Sunday. But to to go and win League One with 101 points when you're basically terrible, terrible on the road um, is phenomenal. And the, a large percentage of those points came at home park and slash Tuesday night away games. Um, so don't expect to pull up any trees away. But that could just be us. That there might be something different that you know you don't have to travel as far and all of a sudden Schumacher gets the right amount of sleep and and you're uh, you're absolutely phenomenal on the road but there, there, there must be something in there in terms of like mentality or, or whatever like we there's there's a good contingent of Argyle fans that go to an away game now because we don't want to miss that first away win um more than we want to go to the game so it's it's um yeah, it's it's chalk and cheese the home and away form, and, and like I said, I can't really give him too much credit for geography, but I can give him credit for um, tactical setup and and in game changes that that have kept Home Park a fortress. Um, sorry, can, Dan, can, I, can I just say, Aaron, that 
we aren't ripping up trees or more away. So no, and, no. Uh, yeah. I'd, 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 if he could, if he could fix like the home form this season, I, I'd take that. Um, but but can I just ask? Because um, I I don't, you know, I've not really followed you guys last season or anything. Oh, that's all right. I'll let you off. <laughs> would Would you say like you know? Because you seem to have a a bit of a togetherness in the squad. Um, so, you know, because I'm assuming it's pretty much the same squad that came up last year, am I right? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you could argue on paper that it's technically slightly weaker squad than came up because last season we had the the players off the bench in which could change games. I mean, we lost um, a few of our loanies and we've had to take risks on on other loanies that have actually stepped up and, and been brilliant. But again, that, that's down to the recruitment team picking out those those gems. Um, you know, there's, there's... My, my, my question was going to be, your togetherness, w- would you say that's down to, to Schumacher? Or oh, no, you, I, I, I would say just that, I would take say that, that on always... from Ryan Lowe? Yeah, I would say that we've like Argyle have always had a togetherness as a club, as a fan base, as a we're never really understood, um, and that's that's fine. Uh, like I said, a lot of people, um, a lot of people will um, let us fly under the radar and not give us the credit we deserve. I mean, we finished above Ipswich last season, and and literally everybody in the media were talking about how good Ipswich were and how brilliant Kieran McKenna is. Um, and like we're used to that, and we're used to this like backs against the wall mentality being miles away from everywhere. So um, I can't I can't really credit Schumacher to be honest. At, at like um, of that, I mean he he has harnessed it, and we thought he was a part of it, and he's come out and said that, and you know he's done brilliant things, and he's um, on his days off and and raised money for local charities and stuff, and and you know give him credit to, for that of, of feeling a part of it. But I think that's why it sort of hurts as well because. We genuinely thought he was—he bought into it, and he was one of us, and wasn't going to take the the first real opportunity to jump ship. So, in terms of that togetherness, I don't—I don't, I don't know how much of he'll—how much of that he'll bring to Stoke. I'm sure he'll definitely get the the changing room um, like feeling as one. But that I feel like again, he keeps—he seems to keep everybody happy, every player happy, purely because of how much he rotates and everybody gets feasible minutes. I think, um, yeah. I think look forward to um, five, six, seven changes a game. It's just that we've we've not had it togetherness since we've come down. So, yeah, you know, I was just wondering if if he is a manager it's... that can 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 instill that in in this group, especially with so many different nationalities as well. I suppose it, on that as well, though, like if you're going out and signing, what was it, eighteen players or whatever you said earlier. Yeah. Like you're not going to have that. Like we've we've had um, like subtle year on year growth, year on year, um, like small subtle changes to the squad. Like I can't remember the last time we had wholesale changes. I'm sure there's an Argyle fan listening that would tell me maybe under Sheridan or something uh, years ago when we were fighting for our life at the bottom of League Two and 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 we've we've you know gone about our business and our contracts pretty well and we've we've tweaked the squads year on year and and made those subtle improvements so the, the vast majority of the players have, have stayed year on year uh, especially in the the low um Schumacher years so that you know that stays you know whereas whereas if you're coming in and signing 18 players and likely to you know now sign some players to fit Schumacher's um 
ideas and philosophies and whatever, you're going to be signing a few more. And then by the time next season comes around, like you, I highly doubt you're going to have any players left from the season before. So, you know, that togetherness yeah. just doesn't have time to build. So, I, you know, I mean, I can't. Um, and also, like I said, he's not he's not exactly well versed with working with multiple nationalities unless you count the home nations. The, the last thing I will say, I know, you know, it stings right now, but I'm sure this decision, as as quick as it's happened, hasn't been easy on him. Um, and I did listen to his interview just before I came on, and the way he's described it as this is just the next step in his career because he's still very early on in his managerial mm. career. Um, and I know league position-wise, it doesn't seem, you know, a, a decent enough reason for him to leave. But like, like people have, have mentioned before, facilities, you know, an ex-Premier League club, everything's here for him to get that experience for the next part of his, you know, his managerial career. But I, I hope, you know, you don't boo him or anything at the at the next fixture because, you know, I, I genuinely do think that, you know, he, he felt just the same way as you fans did. Well, yeah, I mean, but that, that, I mean, even like a, even a manager coming out and saying next step, I don't know if I don't know how um, you guys feel about that, but that just feels like he's like going to take the next opportunity that comes when he's at Stoke as well. Like, and, and, and again, like I said, I've said before, like loyalty, like I've genuinely believed he was loyal and genuinely did believe he wanted to be here, which feels like a kick in the teeth. But it makes you question, actually, like if, you know, if, if a, next season, uh, I don't know, a, a, a club, Fighting at the top end of the championship, coming in. Is he just going to go then, like, and leave Stoke yeah, in the lurch? Like, I mean, like, it doesn't like it goes against everything he's ever said for us, and um, like him saying next step and stuff, which I understand. Like, there's one job he really wants, and and that's that's the Everton job, and he's uh, he's even come out and said that at like fans forums and stuff. He said like, you know. I'd absolutely love to work for Everton and that's understandable that's his club that's his boyhood club and I appreciate that Stoke is geographically closer to home and and, you know you are more likely to become Everton manager whilst being manager of Stoke that's understandable you know what though Aaron Um, if if he gets poached by Everton or whoever whoever it is in the Premier League in the future then good that means he's done a very good job at Stoke City let's be honest so I'd be nice actually for once, as we don't want to lose managers, but it'd be nice for once for our manager to be poached because he's been doing such a good job. It, it, yeah, that would be, sure. That would be sure. I, I agree with that. I agree with that as well. And like, if if um, we've already mentioned, if it was the the West Brom or the you know somebody that was on the verge of joining the Premier League sooner than either of us, um, that's sort of understandable. Um, whereas he's got quite a job to do that with with yourselves at the moment, and and he might well do that. And 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 as we've mentioned, he's he's got the facilities and he's got the money um, to do that. But um, it just I, I just don't know how it sits with you lot that he's come in in his first interview. He's saying that you know my next step, like like he's gonna look at a new opportunity as soon as another one arrives. I don't, I don't, maybe I'm overthinking that, but um, yeah, just not it sure. Might. It might, it I, might. I, I said the other day that I'd be quite happy having all the managers that we have had recently all come promises the world and deliver nothing. I'd be quite happy for him to sit there and go, let's just see how this goes, eh? <laughs> yeah, this, I yeah. said the same thing earlier, Dan. I don't, I don't want any promises off him at all. Just come in, keep your head down, do your job, don't promise us the earth because we've, we've heard it all before. Um, 
But anyway, we've been going for over an hour and a half now. I think we're going to call it a day. Uh, Dan, is there any final comments that have come in, mate, that you that I've, I've missed? And I'm sorry I never could get to everyone wanted to speak, but we genuinely could put, put another hour and a half on top of this and we still wouldn't get it all done. So is there any more comments, Dan, before we move on? Um, somebody's put a love, Aaron. Uh, sorry, Richard Yule's put a love, Aaron's analysis. Very good to hear. Thanks. So, just wanted someone to get that across to Aaron. Um, yeah, no, just uh, no, no one cares about away games just as long as we win at home. Uh, I don't know if the Plymouth fans noticed that our away fans giving all the players stick. There's a massive divide between fans and players, which that we touched on. Uh, and then there's a couple of comments as well, just just uh, mentioning the fact that uh, Middlesbrough have not bailed out the League Cup tonight. So, oh, well, by how many goals, Dan? At three to nil. <laughs> well, bless I thought they were going to get hammered by, to be honest, but huh, you can all shut up now and get back in your box for another season. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, that's pretty much everything for, for this evening. Um, Aaron, thank you once again. I uh, really appreciate the hour and a half. No I worries. Think everyone who's listened, I know me, I've, I've learned a hell of a lot, right? So um, if anyone has come in late, like I mentioned earlier on, the podcast will be available tomorrow in full uh, to listen to. So, uh, yeah. Thanks to everybody. Uh, we'll catch everyone um, as always. Just, uh, yeah, just, just before you go, I don't. I, don't, yeah. I really don't want to wish him well, but um, and and you know, once a manager's left and and all that, you know, he's dead to us, I suppose. But you know, he will go down in uh, Argyle as a as a legend. And in time, I think um, some of the more harsher views will soften on him. I, I do wish him the best of luck, uh, even if it pains me to to wish Stoke uh, luck. But um, no, enjoy him. Look after him. Um, yeah, because he might do. I hope he might do a Nathan Jones and come back to us. You never know. Uh, there is one comment actually said, "Is this going to be the start of a uh, of a Plymouth Stoke rivalry similar to that that we've got with Derby, Luton, and um, Sunderland?" No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't see that. I mean, there there is a bit of a. Um, a bit of an online spat with Preston fans, but that's because we tried to warn them what low was like, and they finally understood uh, what we're saying. Now they they, they finally agree, um, and they you know that, that he's all 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 fart and no poo, as they say. But um, yeah, if he was made of chocolate and all, is, is that the uh, the one? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. He'd eat himself. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, and also Lowe's departure is is a lot different, but uh, we expected it from him, whereas we didn't with Shui. But anyway, like I said, I think that's um, yeah, enjoy him, enjoy him before he takes that step, that next step in his career, enjoy him. <laughs> <laughs> Look, lovely no no appreciate it like I said uh, we'll be back later on this week we've got multiple podcasts coming out over the festive period so uh, just keep your eyes peeled um, otherwise Aaron uh, Dan Elliot Beck um, Tom uh, hopefully I've not missed anybody off probably have um, but yeah either way thanks to everyone who's contributed Dave. appreciate it Dave thank you Dave yeah Cheers, uh, nice. too, many, too many people but yeah take care guys and I'll see you all soon Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.